are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, This team, the 49ers, is what we're talking about. We are going to have the rapid react, uh, the not-so-rapid react episode. It's a day late because the game's on Saturday. No show on Sunday. Rapid react podcast of the 49ers Week 2 preseason game against the Houston Texans. We're going to get into uh, just some game notes, takeaways from the game, a look into the injuries, which looked to be a much better situation than last week. And then, of course, uh, maybe give out a couple game balls at the end and look at uh, players who are stock up and uh, stock down after this second preseason contest. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. We're on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are everywhere that you can find podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Tomorrow is going to be a mailbag episode, so get those mailbag questions fired up. Uh, Send them on over to me on Twitter at BDPeacock, or you can email LockedOn49ers at gmail.com. Let's get the bad news out of the way first and look at the injuries that uh, happened on Saturday. Uh, Running back Joe Williams, he has a rib fracture, so he's going to be out for at least three weeks. So he will miss the start of the regular season. I don't know if that will impact if he's able to stick on the 53-man roster because he might be, you know, number 54, 55, uh, because they can stash a couple of guys. He might go at least on the pup list, which is a six-week thing. Maybe injured reserve, and he'll have a second year on injured reserve. It's how his preseason ended last year. Or uh, maybe the the IR that's designated to return. There's two separate IRs now, so you know it could have the season-ending IR or the designation to return. So a lot of options there with Joe Williams, but obviously he's not going to be around for Week One now, which really takes him out of that competition because it's almost a freebie because you could put him on the pup list and then still cut him afterwards or then then put him on waivers and try to put him on the practice squad, or they can just try to stick him on the practice squad, then put him on the IR. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of options there, but he's obviously not going to be suiting up in week one now for the 49ers after that rib fracture, and he was on the bubble as it is, and uh, we'll get into more of that and how he performed and how the 49ers running game performed in his competition at the position. Uh, Let's see, Eric Magnuson, offensive lineman. He's battling for center and guard spots. He made the team last year as an undrafted free agent. Haven't heard a lot of buzz about him in camp. He had a severe hamstring strain. Uh, He could be sidelined for six to eight weeks, according to Kyle Shanahan. So, yeah, that's a definite, I mean, six weeks puts you at, the, the, the pup list is six weeks into the season. So, uh, if they want if they want him to stick around, pup list maybe IR to return, and you could return after eight to ten weeks. I believe it is midseason. So, yeah, uh, Magnuson's going to be out a while. I would be surprised if he's anywhere near the roster or near the field until after week eight of the regular season. At this point, uh, with that injury, severe hamstring strain, which doesn't seem you know a strain makes it sound like it's not severe. If it's severe, it's a tear, right? I don't, I don't, I don't get that diagnosis. Um, quarterback C.J. Beathard sustained a foot sprain. Uh, and yeah, that sounds like worse than a hamstring strain, right? So a foot sprain, I gotta, I gotta imagine that uh, we're gonna see Nick Mullins taking some reps with the second team in practice and possibly 
uh, in one of these preseason games coming up because a foot sprain, I mean, they're going to keep C.J. Beathard out if they want him healthy and ready to be the backup for the regular season. I don't think they're going to risk anything there. So we might see a lot more of Nick Mullins. And uh, Richard Sherman, he did not play on Saturday, but he is expected to make his debut in the third preseason game, which is really the the for real dress rehearsal, the real tune-up where starters play the entire first half and into the third quarter sometimes. And so Richard Sherman going to get some game action next week, most likely against the Indianapolis Colts in Indy. So a much better injury report than preseason week number one. And there's still some other players uh, who are coming back from injury for the 49ers, hopefully this week. Eric Armstead, hamstring injury, cornerback. Kawan Williams has an ankle injury that he's coming back from. Malcolm Smith got hurt last week with the hamstring at the beginning of the first preseason game. They should all return to practice on somewhat of a limited basis Tuesday, according to uh, Eric Branch. And that information comes straight from Kyle Shanahan's injury report. Well, now it's time to get into those game notes and some of the takeaways from uh, the second exhibition contest for the 49ers at the Houston Texans. Where the 49ers could not hold on to win, it was the Houston Texans' victorious 16-13. Takeaways from preseason week two. Right off the bat, uh, it was really great to see Jimmy Garoppolo starting to get a rhythm, drop some dimes. The Garoppolo, uh, such a beautiful pass, dropping it in the bucket down the left sideline to Marquise Goodwin on the first quarter, the first drive of the game. Uh, in fact, the, the entire first drive from Jimmy Garoppolo, th- there was the, the that 40-yard pass to Marquise Goodwin down the left sideline, the fourth and one play where he looked left, then side-armed one uh, back to an uncovered Kyle Juszczyk in the flats on the right side. Uh, Juszczyk then took the ball down to the one-yard line. I believe that was a 24-yard gain, and then uh, finishing off the drive with the touchdown pass to Trent Taylor. Another quick trigger. Going to his second and third reads there, just slung it off platform and with a guy with a defender in his face. It's about to get crushed, showing off his signature lightning quick release and kind of sidearm sling there and found Trent Taylor in stride in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. So a really good first look for the 49ers passing offense and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, that was the good early from the offense. The bad, no running game. 84 yards on 27 carries. Uh, was the final statistics for the 49ers rushing. That's a 3.1-yard average. Uh, 23 of those yards on three carries came from C.J. Beathard. He had the one long keeper that took for 17 yards, so that skews it more. And uh, there was the end around to Dante Pettis that lost yardage early on that first drive. Uh, so if we're talking just running backs, it was 66 yards on 23 carries, which is a pretty ugly 28 yards per carry and so the 49ers really and what's difficult is that was one of the things I was looking for in this game I was looking for pass rush where is it coming from they get a little juice off the edge and I expect them to be able to to rush up the middle with some of their interior players and the run game because that was out of sync in week one and really both of those let the 49ers down Saturday but that run game really not going at all their first two backs Running back one and running back two in Jarek McKinnon and Matt Breida were out, but there wasn't a lot of room to run anyway. So I don't know if you can even put that on the running backs that were in there. Jeremy McNichols, who got the start. Joe Williams got some run. Yeah, not 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 good. Not not good results from the the rush offense. Luckily, the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the passing offense saved the day, and they were able to drive down the field and score on the first drive of the ball game. Then the Texans, first team offense with Deshaun Watson under center and former 49er Bruce Ellington being heavily featured. Uh, They went down the field on the 49ers just as easily 
to tie the game at seven. Looked like it was going to be a barn burner early in this one, but the scoring would slow down substantially from there. Garoppolo threw a pick. A lot of people are talking about Garoppolo's interceptions. Maybe he had too many last year, but you got to look at how these interceptions go down, and this was another example of that. Garoppolo's interception was more on Dante Pettis than it was Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, some people on Twitter calling out Pettis for maybe being afraid, you know, not wanting to go over the middle and sacrifice his body. I'm not sure that's what it was. Uh, he, he extended to go get it. Uh, just couldn't quite come down with it, and uh, it, you got to catch those. It hit him in the hands and ended up being a tipped pass into the defender's hands for an interception. Uh, it was a little high from Garoppolo. I don't know if he was intending to, to kind of get that high so he could go get it, but Pettis wasn't going to get blasted or anything, and yeah, went through his hands. So Dante, got to catch that. Can't be uh, giving away the football, right? Um, Pettis, though, made a nice sliding catch on the very next drive and showed some wiggle on a punt return. Uh, that that wiggle he's got too. I think wiggle is a good word for it. Uh, my nickname for Dante Pettis is Plastic Man. Uh, even like I mean, he when he extended for that ball, he gets his arms out there. Sometimes you he because he, he's not the biggest guy, but then he'll go up to get the ball or he'll extend to catch a pass, and his arms just kind of stretch out there a little longer than you would think. Kind of like Plastic Man, and he's got that that wiggle and that uh, that that body type that just seems very flexible, like there's no bones in there, you know? Um, so Plastic Man, I think, is a good nickname for Dante Pettis, just the way he moves. And biomechanically, he's an interesting guy. And when you see him, he, he looks unique out there on the football field. So Dante showing off some moves on that punt return. He made about four guys miss uh, over the course of four yards or so. Uh, didn't break it, but... You can see that that's, that potential is there for him to break a run. But uh, speaking of returners, so that was a punt return. The kickoff returners in this game, Richie James got the first crack at it. Then it was DJ Reed. Uh, DJ Reed had a really nice return in the second half. So those are your special teamers, and, and they're throwing those guys out there early in games. DJ Reed getting action early on the field on defense as well. Those guys are are very nearly in, I think, lock roster territory that they're going to be locks to be on this roster. I can't see any situation uh, that Richie James or DJ Reed aren't making this football team, even as day three picks. But the 49ers are in a position where there's a lot of competition and they might have to start cutting draft picks when you get a lot of depth. But those two aren't, those aren't two of them. And I think all the draft picks for the 49ers right now are safe. Uh, Brock Coyle getting some action and starting at middle linebacker next to Ruben Foster, who's playing the will. Fred Warner would get some time in the middle as well with Ruben at the end of the first half, and then he would play late into the second half as well at middle linebacker. So it was nice to see Fred Warner out there getting his first game action for the 49ers, the rookie third-round linebacker. And looking good. More on Fred Warner later. Into quarter number two, C.J. Beathard. Another miss. He missed Dante Pettis for the second game in a row, uh, this time missing Dante Pettis deep. Pettis had steps on the defender deep down the right sideline. Beathard overthrew it. Last week, he underthrew Pettis, but it was still a completion. Could have been a touchdown, but Pettis had to come back for it or sort of hold up for it and wait for it on that deep post route and uh, ended up making a big play there. This time, C.J. Beathard gave him a little bit more juice and then ended up overthrowing him. The story here, though, Pettis getting open, creating separation, like what I'm seeing there. He did have the ball that went through his hands, ended up being an interception, but otherwise... Seeing great things from Dante Pettis, who looks like he's going to be a future starting wide receiver for the 49ers. Emmanuel Mosley interception. 49ers had a takeaway. They had a pick. The rookie undrafted free agent from Tennessee, Emmanuel Mosley, with the interception. But that was set up by 
third rounder, Tarverius Moore, who had a, a really great play. I mean, that that's what made the play was the Tarverius Moore coverage and then the diving deflection. And it was odd because he was sort of behind the receiver, and usually you kind of come under the receiver and then bat it away. He came over the top of the receiver and then came under him and then made a diving deflection and then popped the ball up in the air. Emmanuel Mosley uh, made a nice pick and then made a nice return that ended up getting called back for a penalty. But uh, that was nice to see the young rookie cornerbacks stepping up, making a play, and getting a takeaway in the second half of that game. Uh, Beathard tried to do his best Jimmy G impression. Uh, He tried to sling a pass sidearm to Richie James and nearly bounced it to him. James was able to pick it up off his shoe tops, didn't really get much of a gain. And I chuckled on this play. But this is one of those things that it's like the Snickers commercials, you know, where uh, you think he's Jimmy Garoppolo and then he eats the Snickers and it's actually it's sort of the reverse version of that commercial. And you realize, oh, this is C.J. Beathard. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, But I kind of chuckled a little bit because – you just saw Garoppolo wing some beauties in there on the first drive and, and sidearm passes and, you know, it makes it look very easy. And then CJ is like, hey, man, that looks easy. Let me try that. I can totally do that. <laughs> and nope, it's not that easy. So uh, it's funny to see Beathard sort of shift his feet real quick, try to sling one sidearm, almost bounced it. It did. It was a complete pass, but I think it might have been even a loss of yardage uh, to Richie James because it was, uh, I think it was a screen pass or something. It was uh, I have to watch that play again, but I just chuckled how he tried to he tried to go Garoppolo with the sidearm. It didn't look quite as pretty. Nick Mullins, some competition at quarterback? I don't know. Nick Mullins in the fourth quarter, played for most of the fourth quarter. Again, near perfect, six of seven. His one incompletion was an interception uh, that was Joe Williams who coughed up this pass. It, it hit him right in the chest, and then he got popped from behind on just a little dump-off pass over the middle. And uh, that popped the ball up, and it ended up being an interception. But, again, Nick Mullins, second week in a row, led a nice drive to help the 49ers take a late fourth-quarter lead. Uh, but that lead would not hold up. The 49ers at that point were up 13-10 to 10 with less than two minutes to play. And, by the way, before you ask, no. Nick Mullins is not going to beat out C.J. Beathard for QB2. Whether he should have the opportunity, uh, you know, I think it's sort of a it's a it's a competition that's not really a competition. I don't think as no matter how good Nick Mullins plays, he just I don't think he can get there. Kyle Shanahan was quoted just last week saying that the depth chart was not set. There was a lot of competition all over the roster, but he noted, like he said, for example, there are some positions that are pretty well set, like quarterback, where there's a clear starter in Jimmy Garoppolo and a backup in CJ. And then they'll only keep two guys, and they'll keep another guy in the practice squad. And he pretty much said that point blank. Kyle Shanahan did. So it's really uh, Nick Mullins has no shot at the QB two. I've been impressed from Nick Mullins. I mean, I think if you if this if they're running a race and they were lined up at the same starting point, Nick Mullins is out playing C.J. Beathard. Mullins might have had an opportunity to win that race, but they didn't start at the same starting point. It was like a forty yard dash where C.J. Beathard was starting twenty yards in. And now C.J. Beathard hurt his foot. So maybe we'll see Nick Mullins with the second unit. And will that be enough to maybe maybe have Kyle Shanahan say, well, wait a second. Do we need to actually really look at this? Because Nick Mullins is playing pretty good. But there's, I mean, there's no shot. It's uh, C.J. Beathard's his guy. They traded up in the third round last year to draft C.J. Beathard. He's the backup. Jimmy's the starter. Mullins is going to be on the practice squad. That's pretty much the way it's going to be no matter how their performance goes down for the rest of the preseason, most likely. Is that the way it should be? I don't know, but it's the way it is. 
All right, let's give out some game balls and look at who's got some helium, some stock up, and stock down. A side note really quick before we get to the stock up, stock down, uh, Alfred Morris, the newly signed 49er running back, did not play on Saturday. I'm guessing he will play, but I'm wondering if he'll even start on uh, on next week in Indianapolis and maybe have a chance to really make some waves in this backfield because we've seen so little from, I think, Mostert right now. Had some of the best performances so far in these two games of the preseason as a running back. McKinnon had only a few carries and then has been hurt. Breida's hurt now. The veteran presence, he knows the offense. If he comes out and looks good, uh, I would like to see some extended run from Alfred Morris next week. And if those other guys are still hurt, maybe there's a chance Alfred Morris isn't on the football team at all or is the starting running back in week one if those guys aren't healthy and, and ready to play yet. Uh, so that's that's interesting to me. I want to see Alfred Morris on the field and see if you know a veteran running back with, with this line that's still trying to become a cohesive unit might start to look a little bit better in game three. But as of now with these two games, yeah, that's rough. So well, actually, let's start there with the stock down then. And my, my stock down this week is not individual players. I don't think there's anybody we need to crush or throw under the bus as far as individual players go. But I'm going to go with whole units, and it starts with that offensive line, particularly them run blocking because pass blocking, they're they're doing okay. But the run blocking offensive line unit has been bad, and it's been hard to evaluate the running backs because there's not a lot of space. There's no space. There's a lot of penetration from opposing defensive lines, and Joe Williams has guys draped on his ankles as soon as he he gets the handoff, it seems like. So uh, it's hard to evaluate the running backs. And the the offensive line needs to start getting some push. So th- that's definitely a stock down for me is the offensive line as a run-blocking group. And I know I think it takes some time in this offense, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And a lot of times they talk about how you, they really start running the ball better in year two because the line, it's, it's a cohesive unit and they're all moving together. You know, it's a, it's a dance sort of. So maybe they will continue to look better and maybe just after a couple of games and then week three and four of the preseason, you start to go, okay, now we see it. Now they're kind of working together and things are looking better. But right now it's really just not working at all. And it's a little bit concerning. Uh, The pass rush. And this is more obvious because it's more expected, but there was Z. they, They at least had some pressures in week one. Some of them from the interior, a couple guys making some plays in the outside. They had zero pressure in this football game. There was no pass rush at all from the 49ers defensive line. And uh, that's going to be the one thing. And I I've, I've, I've harp on it because it's so important. It's the one thing that is going to keep that defense, that's going to hold the defense back. The 49ers defense can't be a great defense if they don't have a pass rush. And so, uh, and actually this tweet from Matt Mayoko uh, late Sunday night, said Kyle Shanahan said the 49ers would not hesitate to reach out to Elvis Doomerville if, quote, at the end of this, end quote, uh, they thought he could help them upgrade their outside pass rush. And it's pretty clear right now, Elvis Doomerville, I mean, he was the best outside pass rusher they had last year despite his advanced age. And uh, right now, if he jumped in to camp tomorrow and, and he was on the 49ers roster tomorrow, he would be their best outside pass rusher. Because that's who Elvis Doomerville is, you know, unless the age is finally caught up with him and he just can't move like he used to or something like that. But they didn't look at all bad last year, you know, and just as a rotational rusher, bring the guy in. You, you, you need that 
You need that rotational guy, someone you can bring in on third downs and really uh, count on someone that can some, bring some pressure and potentially hit the quarterback and create big plays because right now it's not looking like they have a lot of that. And the third stock down for me, let's go into the Zebras, the officiating. And it's not so much – it's not the, offic- the the officials' fault. It's the rules. It's, it's what they're being told to officiate. There was the Raheem Mostert penalty. Uh, unnecessary roughness, or I don't, I don't remember how they worded it. Um, and then the Jeremiah Tausche one, I think, is the one that really got people worked up. And, I mean, you just can't dip your head, ever. Jeremiah Tausche was trying to do a bull rush move, and it wasn't a great move. And it's one of those things where I think bull rush isn't his strength, but, you know, it's like the little brother trying to bull rush a big brother, brother and you put your head down and kind of put that into their chest and go – and it wasn't a helmet-to-helmet hit or anything. It wasn't like he was hitting the quarterback or even tackling anybody. It was just a pass rush, a bull rush move. And he kind of put his head down into the the offensive lineman, the offensive tackle. And it was I think he did hit him sort of in the chest with the tip of his helmet, with the crown of his helmet. And you can't do that at all. You cannot dip your head and hit another player on the football field. And that's clear. And, it, and I get that rule. It's hard to argue against that idea. But that penalty is like, ah, oh, is that what the rule is supposed to be? Because that was not even something that's – and nobody's going to get hurt from that play. Um, yeah, it's an ugly look. It really frustrates fans. I think it's a lot worse when it's a big play that gets taken away. I think the worst call I saw all weekend was not even the 49ers game. This was in the Vikings game. And I think it was the Vikings game. I think it was maybe Anthony Barr or somebody. Uh, but it was a blitzing linebacker or a stand-up rusher coming off the edge around the left side. And it was just a regular sack. No helmet contact at all. The guy was clearly hit him with the shoulder. But he kind of landed on the quarterback a little bit when he when he hit the ground. And he got a flag. And it was like, that play just can't be a penalty. It's a huge play. It's a huge swing. You sack the quarterback. Everything's clean. You do everything right. You get your head out of there. You just get him with your shoulder and you sack him. You tackle this other football player to the ground. That's what the study. You can't have that sport without that action. And I get the leading with your helmet stuff, but some of it is getting silly. And that play particular was the one that got me. The Atashi one, I wasn't even mad about. But that go watch that Vikings play if you can find it somewhere online. It's It's pretty ridiculous. So. My question is, with all of this, are they overdoing it purposely in the preseason games to get everyone used to the idea and to comply more regularly when with the new rules when the games really start to count? And will we all eventually just not even notice the new rules anymore? I mean, you know, there's a lot of things like that where you think it's weird at first, and then all of a sudden it happens, and then you kind of forget about it. I mean, are we going to notice these new rules anymore by next year? Will it even feel like – will it then – feel like just normal football, like, oh, yeah, helmet helmet, can't do that. That was a stupid play. Whereas the same play now, we're like, oh, that's crazy. You can't call that. That's BS. Uh, That's going to be interesting to me to see how the fans adapt to it and the players adapt to it and if people start to feel normal with the new rules and how long that'll take. But right now, it's it's kind of a shock to a lot of people to see plays get called that that seem so ticky-tack right now. Okay, who's impressing? Who's uh, Who gets a game ball here? Who's a stock-up player? I'm going to give my first game ball to Fred Warner. He's on the field. I'm just going to give it to Fred for showing up and, and playing. It is awesome to see Fred Warner out there on the field, big and fast, 
looking good in his first NFL action, moving around well. He got in next to Reuben Foster, which I think that's going to be the look, and I think they did want to give a little bit of that look in this game and get Fred next to Reuben. It didn't last long. It was just a, the, the last drive of the first half that they were together. Then Fred Warner stayed out there in the second half. But Warner getting in on numerous stops, a couple behind or at the line of scrimmage. He was credited with a team-high five tackles, three of which were solo, and one official tackle for loss. So a good showing in his first exhibition action game ball stock up for Fred Warner. Another guy that was just a beast on Saturday, that was second-year nose tackle DJ Jones. He was a man out there. He had a man play, just eating up blockers, stoning plays in the backfield, some pressures on the quarterbacks, just pushing guys back. Uh, He's powerful. He is stout. He is powerful. He's what a, a nose tackle should look like. And he's the 49ers' stoutest defensive lineman and might be a better run defender from a pure power perspective than starting nose tackle Earl Mitchell. Is there a competition there? Is there? I mean, the coaching staff loves Earl Mitchell. Robert Sala loves Earl Mitchell. I, I, I'd be surprised if there was anything there, but by their play, it's almost like the uh, Bethard and Mullins thing. DJ Jones, late pick, sixth rounder last year. He's powerful, man. Uh, he's he's pushing blockers back into the backfield, and that's what you need. And he might be uh, might be able to help the 49ers run defense. They might be a re- better run defense with DJ Jones at nose tackle over Earl Mitchell. So something to think about. Uh, but DJ Jones showing up like a man on Saturday. He's definitely gets a game ball. He's he's stock up for me. I'm going to give a game ball to Joshua Garnett. And I just I already crapped on the, the the run blocking and everything, but he played. Josh Joshua Garnett got on the field. And he's taken so much grief from fans um, and people. You know, it's not Joshua Garnett's fault that he was overdrafted by Trent Baalke in 2016. And he's had some injuries and even the mysterious knee injury from this offseason. But now he's on the field. He actually got some run with the first team offense. And he got out on the move on one play and put a guy in the turf. And now the offensive line together as a cohesive unit isn't really there yet. But Joshua Garnett got on the field. And he's got an opportunity right now to compete. And he's still, I mean, people were sending him off. I was kind of writing him off too. I was thinking, oh, this guy's gone. Especially when I heard Shanahan make the quote about the knee injury saying, hey, you got to ask Josh about his knee. I don't know. I was like, oh, God, he's gone. He's he's out the door. But Shanahan put him in there and put him in there early. So he's still competing. He's still got a shot. He could still be that starting right guard for the 49ers. And he could still be off the roster. But right now, he he got back on the field, played a little bit. So it's a definite stock up from where he was. So I think a stock up for, for Joshua Garnett. All right, that's going to do it for me today. A little rapid react of that second preseason game with the 49ers and Texans. A big one next week. This is the walkthrough. This is the preseason game where the starters play the longest. And you should start to see what a football team is really going to look like in week three of the preseason. So that's next week at the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be a big one, and I'll be right back here breaking it all down for you on Locked On 49ers. We're going to do a mailbag tomorrow, so get those questions in either on Twitter at BD Peacock or email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. Subscribe, rate, review the show, tell a friend. We'll be back on Wednesday with Nick Winkler for another Weeky Wednesday, of course, as well, and talk about our Locked On 49ers fantasy draft that's going to be going down this week. All that coming up right here on Locked On 49ers.